This is AWLS, Podcasts on Wilderness Medicine, from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Hi, my name is Traherne W. Jones. I go by T.W. Jones, and I'm a pediatrician and pediatric infectious disease fellow at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Today, we're going to be discussing children in wilderness situations. Specifically, we're going to be going through a few different key points. Number one, we're going to talk about what makes children uniquely at risk to uh, hazards in outdoor situations and wilderness situations, specifically because of their involvement in outdoor recreational trends, both in the United States and abroad. And then we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about how children and their unique physiology uh, can pose certain hazards that adults don't necessarily have to deal with. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about lost child behavior and survival in wilderness situations, and then kind of wrap up with some safety tips on preparing children for wilderness encounters. So number one, based on consumer research, we see that Americans age 6 to 17 are more likely to be found participating in outdoor activities than older adults. And this jives with, I think, anecdotal data that a lot of us have. Children are involved in a lot of camping trips and a lot of hiking trips. Um, and group activities in the outdoors, such as uh, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, Cub Scouts, and so forth. Um, and most Americans will probably uh, think about and remember times when they were sp spending time camping, but uh, those later, um, later on, they're camping less as adults, typically. So we think about uh, children and outdoor activities. They're actually one of the larger demographics that can be found outdoors, although not typically in extreme activities. Um, moreover, families who are interested in the outdoors and outdoor recreation are often going to involve and share those activities with their children as well. Uh, it's seen as a really integral part of American culture and normal family activity to take kids camping, hiking, backpacking, uh, even climbing um, uh, out to the beach, to the seaside, and so forth. So it's a really common environment to actually find children in. So some of the really important things to bear in mind when we're treating children in the wilderness uh, or in general uh, is to think about some of the unique aspects of their physiology that make them so different from adults. In pediatrics, we have a very old hackneyed saying that children are not just small adults, and that holds true certainly in all branches of medicine as well as wilderness medicine. Um, so some of the few key points to think about in child physiology um, are particularly related to their relative body surface area, their BMI compared to adults, but also their physiologic ability to thermoregulate, uh, to metabolize uh, energy, to maintain stamina, and then also the mu their musculoskeletal maturity, and then probably most obviously, their developmental maturity. That is, their ability to recognize dangerous situations and to act appropriately when faced with them. So let's go through those each, uh, each uh, one by one. So talking about increased body surface area of children. Children have an increased uh, body surface area compared to their body mass than an adult does. So for example, a three kilogram infant that's about the size of a newborn has about two and a half times more body surface area than a 60 kilogram adult. That's why if you've ever been in a newborn nursery, you'll see that infants are often swaddled in very warm blankets with hats on because they can lose their body heat very rapidly compared to an adult. They have much more body surface area to radiate that heat from. The same holds true as children age and grow older into the toddler years, into the young uh, uh, school child years, into the young adult years. And so when faced in wilderness situations where potentially uh, their ability to conserve heat and stay warm in cold environments um, is going to be compromised by their higher body surface area than you would find for an adult. Um, so just one example. 
Another example are envenomations. Children with their relative body mass differences compared to adults are at much higher risk of severe envenomations than adults are. Stings from scorpions, bites from rattlesnakes, bites from uh, black widow spiders all amount to far more severe toxidromes in children than they do in adults because they have far less body mass for those toxins and venoms to actually circulate in. So uh, infants, for example, are at much higher risk of death than adults would be with a scorpion envenomation. They're also less able to thermoregulate compared to adults. Uh, they do generate more metabolic heat per unit mass than adults. So newborns are born specifically with uh, specific fat reserves and fatty cells that generate heat more efficiently than adults do. But they do burn quickly, and they run out of these reserves uh, relatively quickly, especially in extreme environments. Moreover, babies and children are much less able to sweat and shiver, um, and their sh sweating and shivering is much less efficient than adults do. And then overall, especially once you leave the infant period, uh, children have a lot less body fat than adults do per kilogram. And so therefore, they're going to lose heat or actually uh, become hotter in hot environments uh, than adults do. They're, much, they're at much greater risk of hyperthermia and hypothermia than adults are. So when faced with the same kinds of wilderness situations, potential survival situations, children will always do worse. They will get colder faster or they will get hotter faster um, in each of those environments. Essentially a marathon, they may be miserable, but they could probably get it done. The same is definitely not going to be true of an infant or small child. So essentially what this amounts to is that children are at greater risk of fatigue and starvation in survival situations and just wilderness situations in general. They're going to tire out a lot faster. They're going to lose those energy reserves. And if they are in a situation where there is no food available, uh, they will be the first to succumb, unfortunately. Next, children have a much different musculoskeletal system than adults do. If you've ever looked at radiographs of the long bones in children, you'll recognize that they all have these physes or these lucencies kind of near the ends of the long bones. Uh, those are the growth plates. Uh, that is a kind of specialized cartilage that helps the bone grow linearly, um, but that also changes their fracture patterns as well. Um, on top of that, because of these growth centers and then other secondary growth centers, they can have overuse syndromes that you would not recognize in adults. For example, very common injury among adults on trails are sprained ankles. Um, speaking as a trail runner myself, it's probably one of the most common reasons somebody has to drop out of a race. Um, however, you have a four-year-old who presents with what appears to be a sprained ankle is almost certainly not. Uh, four-year-olds and younger children, their tendons are actually stronger than the growth plates in many instances. And so trying to treat that as a mere sprain versus actually bringing them in for an orthopedist to evaluate them uh, it's going to be a very different kind of situation. They need the orthopedist to evaluate them because they did not simply sprain the soft tissue in their ankle. The growth plate is weaker than their tendons and ligaments. Finally, we mentioned earlier that infants and children don't have the kind of developmental cognizance that adults and teenagers do. Um, so they don't recognize environmental risks as obviously uh, as adults do. Uh, this is pretty apparent to anybody who has ever taken care of small children, but it is a point really worth hammering home. Children around wet environments, watery environments, do not recognize that wandering into the water they could drown or suffer injury. Likewise, uh, children in environments where there are heights, steep rocks, or wild animals uh, do all kind of pose different risks to them because they don't, they're not able to recognize the risk and back off or accurately assess their ability to handle the risk. Um, so it's really a point worth remembering when dealing with children in the wilderness. 
So related to children's developmental age, their ability to recognize hazards and to react appropriately to them in the wilderness environment, let's talk a little bit about lost child behavior. Um, certainly very easy for children to get lost in the wilderness, um, but they do react a little bit differently to situations than adults would. For example, young children are a lot more likely to wander aimlessly or even hide and avoid responding to searchers when in a search and rescue situation. This is because they're frequently afraid or anxious uh, that people are angry at them or they don't recognize rescuers as rescuers and they see them uh, as something scary that's coming to get them. And they'll actually hide and not respond when rescuers are even very close to their position. Um, older children are usually more likely to recognize landmarks and respond to search and rescue efforts, but all ages can become lost. And we have examples tragically from every single age, from young toddlers all the way to teenagers, of people becoming lost in unexpected situations. Um, one of the uh, examples to bring up is a young child named Jimmy Beveridge. Uh, back in 1981, he was on a trail uh, in Southern California with his family, uh, walking along with his two brothers, and they decided to race back to the campsite. His two older brothers uh, sped past him. He was only nine years old at the time. Um, and reached the campsite before he did. But it was a relatively well-marked trail. They had no concerns that he wouldn't be able to find his way there. But as time went on, they realized something was wrong. And after the first hour or two, his parents um, you know, were searching and eventually called for help from the local sheriff's department. Uh, from there, it kind of escalated. They brought in more searchers, more volunteers, and eventually even um, local resources uh, from Army bases and National Guard. And uh, we're still struggling to find Jimmy in this relatively small area where he could not have gotten very far. Um, after several days, he was finally discovered, unfortunately had not survived, and had passed away due to hypothermia. Uh, from all the resources that were involved and all the attempts to find him, uh, one name stands out, and that's Albert Taylor. He was a man tracker, a professional man tracker, whose job had been to find lost persons, the wilderness, escaped inmates, things like that. Um, and whose specialty was the ability to read, uh, sign in wilderness situations, find where footprints lead and broken twigs and so forth. Uh, and Jimmy Beveridge was, you know, a situation that hit him quite hard because uh, this was uh, one of his few losses and as a child really uh, affected him quite deeply. Um, he wanted to correct this. He wanted to somehow prevent this tragedy from happening again in the future. And he founded a program called Hug a Tree and Survive, which brings us so a really important point when preparing children for uh, entering wilderness situations, even just simple hikes or camping trips, um, is this concept of hug a tree and survive. There are national programs in place in both the United States and Canada uh, with websites with free materials that you can look up. So Google hug a tree and survive. What it boils down to is teaching young children some really essential points when it comes to surviving uh, lost situations. Um, it teaches them to stay in one place, specifically to choose one tree that they seem to connect with the most, and that's the name, hence hug a tree, and to stick to that tree and not leave that tree. Um, it also encourages children to always have something like a survival blanket, a mylar blanket, or a garbage bag of some kind, uh, always in their backpack or their pocket so that they can pull it out and wrap themselves in it and stay warm and potentially survive a hypothermia situation. And then finally, it also really emphasizes that they need to respond to searchers when searchers are coming around looking for them. It teaches them that searchers are people who are looking for them to protect them and help them, not people who are looking to get them in trouble or get them uh, in danger or anything like that. Um, and it also encourages using things like whistles or hand signals 
or uh, building arrows or things like that that can be recognized from air teams in search and rescue situations. Um, and it's really designed to be uh, at a level simple enough that young children can understand it and uh, use the principles that are in these programs. Um, so really worth looking into if you're going to be dealing with young children in the wilderness, uh, either as a medical professional, uh, a search and rescue professional, um, first responder, or somebody who is working on taking children into outdoor outings. Um, it's a good idea to always make sure uh, in these outdoor outings that you can discuss and practice what to do when you're lost and then how to use those resources like an emergency blanket uh, to stay safe, stay warm, and you know potentially to survive a, a lost situation. Some other just small details too to think about when dealing with young children in the wilderness are obviously young children should never be let out of sight, but uh, speaking as the father of a toddler, that's not always entirely possible. Toddlers are very good at sneaking away. Uh, so one principle that works quite well is actually attaching um, uh, small bells to the infant or to the toddler's feet uh, so that they're always at least audibly uh, apparent where they are. So that summarizes for the most part the points that we want to cover today. Uh, the unique aspects of children's physiology uh, that puts them at higher risk in wilderness and survival situations than adults, as well as some of the points related to lost child behavior and survival, as well as uh, ways to prevent children from getting in these situations, or at least to mitigate the damage when they are lost and respond to search and rescue teams. So thank you again for listening to our podcast today. 